Buongiorno and welcome to more Thinking Podcast or more What For Short hosted by me, Lee Greeno here, live from the Man Cave every week. Hope you're doing well. Now today I'm speaking to the brilliant Stuart Newman. Now what happens, sometimes I do get scripts sent through, not that I'm a professional or anything like that, but I've been writing for a few years and people ask me just to comment on them because I just like reading, a bit strange like that. And Stuart sent me his one in called Punk's Not Dead and it was a really interesting story. I was fascinated with it. Um, and I said to him, well, come on, come on, talk about it. Talk about your story and where it's come from. Um, and it'll give you a bit of exposure, I suppose, and just uh, let people know where you're coming from with your script, because he's trying to get it off the off the ground, um, trying to find people that want to be producers or find people people that want to put finance or investment into it. And I know how difficult that can be, so I said straight away, you know, come on, if I could, any way I can help. Um, so it's a fascinating chat about how he used to be in a band himself. And how this story came about, because it is a true story, and how he goes through the process of writing and, and what he's trying to do with it. So I hope you enjoy it. Now, my way I think is all about us amazing human beings that all have a story, and those stories can vary massively, but with the guests I'll be interviewing, you'll always be able to take a little bit of advice or insight into how extraordinary we can all be. Remember, there's only four rules on the show. One, no bullshitting. Two, no judging. Three, no negativity. And four, have fun. Plenty of previous episodes, some really interesting ones, so look back on those. And also remember the podcast streamed on all the usual platforms so spotify itunes but also on youtube if you want to see this beautiful face <laughs> i always say and uh, just put more i think your podcast and we pop up everywhere and if you do want to get in touch or ask a question then email me more podcast at aol.com okay let's get on to let's get on to it let's go it's the sun it's the sun sunstroke okay let's get to it here's my interview with the brilliant Stuart. Okay, so this is more Why Thinking podcast, and today we have a very special guest. It is the one and only Stuart Newman. Stuart, welcome. Woo! Now, Stuart here is a podcast virgin, first first one of many. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get used to this, mate. You'll get used to having to promote if you uh, do well with your film and things. And it is a bit. Yes. It is a bit. Um, I don't know, when you first start doing it, you're always trying to think ahead and you worry and you think, what am I going to say? But the reality is, the more you do it, the more it's just a natural a natural thing. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, 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 it's never easy. But Anyway, so thanks so much for coming on today. We're going to talk about you, what you've been up to, and how we connected, which is really interesting. Um, but first of all, what I like to do is with any of my guests, I always like to talk about a couple of funny or, or feel-good stories because at the minute we know it's all doom and gloom um, and I'm a pain in the arse for reading the news. Uh, I wish I didn't, but I always like to keep on top of it. And obviously over the last year or so, it's just been <laughs> pretty pretty horrendous to be fair. <laughs> um, yes. But there's a couple of there's there's a couple of stories. One's really poignant. One's quite funny. We'll go for the poignant one first. So talking about lockdown, everything seems to cover lockdown. Um, according to the website builder GoDaddy, nearly one in ten young adults have launched their own enterprise since February 2020, choosing to become their own bo- bosses rather than fight it out in the jobs market. Um, and this young man, Omar Miho, 24, is one of these people. Prior to the pandemic, he used to tour the world as a DJ, having lots of fun, uh, working unsustainable hours. When the pandemic hit, he found himself out of work. 
Um, and he loved his music, but he didn't know what he was going to do. He was just about to get a work in Dubai or some big contract. Uh, he'd studied a business degree and he'd started doing his own, uh, teaching himself to DJ. So he did it all by himself off his own back. Good young lad, hard working. Um, and then he got a residency in Dubai, but the pandemic hit. And like a lot of us, I think everybody, regardless where we were, it hit us in one way or another. Um, yeah, sure. And with clubs around the world shut down, everyone continued from their own. Omar couldn't DJ anymore. So although he was out of pocket, uh, it wasn't all bad because the night shifts that come with DJ Lifestyle were starting to have a neg negative effect on his health. So basically, it never really occurred to me, he says, it never really occurred to me to make a business out of teaching DJing, to be honest, but I never thought I had the confidence. But I gave it a shot and officially launched his business uh, in February because of the pandemic. And now it's gained over a thousand students based all over the world. Uh, he said, I was really nervous about teaching, but his confidence grew. Uh, and now his business is, is booming. He's got he's his own boss. Uh, he's been in the space for 12 months now, created a career out of it. Um, and it beats filling out countless job applications. And plus it offers him a global platform as well. This is the thing. Same with Zoom right now. I can speak to anyone around the world. He can teach people yeah, around yeah. the world as well. Mm -hmm. um, and I just thought, yeah, it was a great, he's, he's doing really well. He's, he's sticking at it and he's giving out good advice. But I just thought it was a great story um, to give people, and especially young people as well. Um, because I think this pandemic has been an opportunity for a lot of people. But when you're young, you know, a lot more son, he's still at home, as annoying as that is. Mm -hmm. And I'll say to him, you know, if you want to do something, you you go for it. I wouldn't I wouldn't stand in his way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. And how do you um, go on? In a way, that's a, the beauty of it. The tools the youngsters have got now, we can yeah. only dream about when we was young. It was you can with your camera and your yeah. laptop. That's it. You're you're an editor. You can create pretty much anything. You can record an album in your bedroom. It's it's. Yeah. Perfect, perfect opportunity for some. <laughs> Is there a One dog second. attacking your leg? What sort of dog? Oh, bless. Oh, 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 oh. What sort of dog you got? What sort of dog you got, Stuart? Uh, delivery. It's for the wife. Oh, what sort of dog have you got? Oh, what sort of dog? Sorry. Uh, Toy Terrier, Russian Toy Terriers. How old you? Little, little tiny things. Oh, oh look! I tell you what, I bet they'd if they met my boxer dog, they would kill it. <laughs> <laughs> they're all, they're little dog syndrome. Lovely yeah, with people. Yeah, my boxer dogs. They might look mean, but they are as soft as shit. Um. But yeah, but what you were saying is right, because we've got the, the technology now. I remember we're going to talk about writing later. When I first started writing, I had, you know, pen and paper. That was it. And I remember looking at my first second-hand laptop and thinking, oh, if I could get hold of that. Um, but now, you know, every, who hasn't got a phone? Most kids have got a phone. So it is a, a, a great opportunity. Um, so I thought that was a great story, bless him. Uh, fair play to him. Now, the second story, this is more of a funny one. A very a British pet parrot named Nigel has been reunited with its owner after disappearing four years ago. Uh, Nigel, an African grey, flew away from his own in California in 2010, 
but return to his British owner. Okay, we hear that. Birds, you know, birds are pretty clever. They can do that. They fly all over the world, which is pretty amazing. This one, though, came back speaking Spanish. How <laughs> 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 does that work out? Uh, so his happy owner said, Mr. Chick says his British accent is gone, and now it's replaced by fluent Spanish and someone called Larry. I don't know what that was about. So the bird's saying Larry and then talking in Spanish. Even though he has no idea where the bird has been for the last four years, uh, he says, it's really weird. I knew it was him from the minute I saw him. Uh, Nigel was discovered by a dog groomer. Uh, He was singing and talking without control. Uh, Miss Miko tracked Mr. Chick by sifting through old sales records of Nigel's microchip. Oh, so they have microchips in birds. Don't know how that happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she introduced myself, said, have you lost his bird? And he said, yes, he realized it was their bird, but it speaks Spanish now. <laughs> what do you think of that? Amazing. Strangely enough, I've got an African grey as well. Last year, he escaped. Yeah. He was away for three nights. He was like, oh, yeah. Wow. I'll bet you yeah, panicked, didn't you? Was worried sick. Yeah. But it was... Clever, aren't they? Beautiful, beautiful birds, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Is it is it uh, hard work looking after him? No, not really. Yeah. No, yeah. Look after themselves. Oh no, yeah. Are they are they as intelligent as people say? Yes. Yeah, they're really quite crafty at times. What sort of thing? Tell us. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I, the wife wanted it. I was like, no, no more animals, yeah. no more animals, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once we got it it's, it, it's completely changed my perception of birds and other animals because it's, it's. I didn't think a bird could show emotion, especially when you first see it. It's got cold, yeah. almost dinosaur-like eyes, and it's got... Yeah. It's actually, you know, it comes over and it's, it's, it's affectionate to you and it's, it's just really completely changed my opinion on, on yeah, birds now. Yeah, wow. I remember, um, well, two things happened to me. I went somewhere to a bird show and I thought, wow, they had a crow on delivering letters and moving <laughs> numbers around and adding up things. And I thought, wow. And then I went yeah. to uh, a pub once. This was in Blackpool many, many years ago. And uh, there was a guy in there, and he had a macaw on his on his shoulder, a macaw, stunning. And he, he let me hold it for a while, and he was talking to me, and it was looking at me. And you yeah. thought, wow! If I had if I had the space, I, I would get one. They are they are great pets. Unfortunately, I've got chickens. <laughs> <laughs> they're not as intelligent, trust me. Uh, but they're funny. They are funny. Anyway, right. So let's talk about you, Stuart. So we connected um, because you're, you've written a new uh, screenplay and you want to talk about that and you're interested in mm-hmm. trying to get, get it to move forward, which I can totally understand because I've been there numerous times and it's painful. Um, so and it is an interesting project, which we're going to talk about. But first of all, obviously, you've told me you're dubbing. You've been, been in the sound mixing game for a while. So tell us a bit about that. How did you get into that? Was it something you went uni for? What happened? Uh, I went back into education mid twenties and it's quite hard tracking, track into it. Uh, ended up 
luckily enough getting a job onto ITV Digital, who was uh, which is Freeview now, DTT. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which went bust. <laughs> and it's one of those coincidences in life where when the auction for that was, yeah, someone came along to buy the kit and said, what's happened to your staff? Is there any staff who are still looking for work? I was, so a friend yeah. put me forward uh, for a job in, it was trainee, a trainee Pro Tools operator, which was yeah. kind of what I'd always wanted to do. All right. Uh, came out of the blue. So I had to you know, sort of jump, jump down a step or two, but I mean, that was nearly 20 years ago now. So uh, really random opportunity, which I grabbed and moved forward. So, What was it about the sound industry or being involved in that is that something you've always loved you always loved music you always been interested yeah, was it it's, it's, you know, it was a bit of a lost teenager and it was music was the only thing that made sense it was yeah. the only thing that ever made sense yeah. I, can't, I can't put it into words why now even yeah and I always kind of you know move that way my internal radar was like hey, gotta get there gotta get yeah, there yeah. i don't know, you know took, it took a long time i sort of early 30s by the time I started that but it was uh, and what's the goal achieved so did you go to university or college or anything or was it more of a, a hands-on apprenticeship uh, I've been to I've, I've been to college learned most most of my skills were spent sort of working in edit suites midnight and there's no one there so you're crawling under the desk pulling cables out and re receiving stuff yeah uh, when I went to ITV, they stuck me on some very intensive training, which sort of had me brains bubbling out of my ear eyes, and that was that was up to sort of degree level in broadcast engineering, which covered most of the audio stuff anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was just hands-on once. And was it TV that you always, or is it just that you fell into TV? Because obviously, you're talking about music, I would think there's mm -hmm. so many. I mean, I don't know exactly but i would think in sound you've got there's so many different departments music tv film you know radio what what led you to tv was it just you sort of fell into it yeah it was just i was i was making a music documentary it's quite a niche music documentary with yeah. uh, a lot of punk bands in the mid 90s and it wasn't really a living to be made from it so get a job so to speak um, yeah it was tv was much easier to get a foot in the door yeah and what with the little I, experience that i had i'll tell you the, the, the thing that i appreciate the most being being a filmmaker and done done plenty of shorts and that but when i recently did my feature which was some of the sound on that we had a few problems with the sound guy at the end of the day it was it was a, a low budget film um so i've been editing that and learning <laughs> and it's just a minefield it's such a skill isn't it you people i don't think people realize what a skill it is it can be it's only you know what you put in you get out really so i think with a lot of people they take the attitude i'll fix it in the mix or you know doing yeah. it in post or whatever and it's you can you can only polish the turd so much as the saying goes. Yeah. If, uh, if it's bad quality audio, it's bad quality audio. Yeah, you can. There's certain things you can do. You can do a lot more now than what you could do mm. years ago. But there's still, uh, yeah. I mean, you got to really try and capture the best quality audio on you can the day. Yeah. Yeah. 
When I went to uh, a course down in London once, I remember the filmmaking thing, and, and they were saying, look, you can have a film that looks a little bit ropey. It might be grainy, uh, but it's the sound. You've got to have the sound. People will notice the sound. And, and since I've been doing shorts and, and features, things like that, that's the one thing. I'll, I'll watch a film, and I appreciate what film. I watched a film recently, and the sound design was amazing. Um, and I thought, Wow. And you appreciate that more. I suppose other people wouldn't, you know, when you're in the business like you, you, you spot it straight away. <laughs> yeah, it's ultimately at least 50% of what you, you know, it's 50% of the movie. It's, yeah. Um, it's, uh, and doesn't always get, it's, it can often be an afterthought. Yeah. Uh, and what's it like now with the industry? Because I would guess the mics, everything is high end. So, as a dubber, because you do dubbing, I, I suppose, is it a lot easier now or is it just a totally different different way of working? Well, I'm mixing uh, commercials, so most of the stuff's pre-recorded. Yeah. Uh, uh, record voiceovers, but obviously this last year, everything's gone on its head and everyone's working remotely, so... Uh, it was, it was always, no, you can't work from home unless you can't do video <laughs> yeah. post from home. And now everybody's working from home. <laughs> it's just... Yeah, yeah. Have you got the kit at home then? I noticed you've got a desk there. Yeah. Uh, set up to mix. We are just... I've kind of shied away from it from the best part. of You know, I throw you and use a voice in voiceover suites. I kind of thought, well, I'm quite happy being sent VO files to... Yeah. Yeah, I've now got to look at doing some remote voicing with the uh, voiceovers in their home studios. Yeah, so you get. Do you think when things go back to normal, um, it'll be sort of half your time at home, half your time in studios, or do I you think, think probably more than half the time at home? Yeah, yeah, because the money, I mean, the money they're saving, isn't it? You know, these studios yeah. running them is crazy amounts of money, especially in you know the, in central London. The rent is astronomical so it's, yeah uh, i think there's a big you know a lot of change going on at the moment oh god yeah it's crap yeah i was seeing somewhere a lot more people are moving into the country now just because they know they can work from home now so why be stuck in uh the middle of london where it's expensive you whole, you know you get a whole virtual post kit now so you can go away you can do all your offline edits everything wherever you are and uh, yeah you really need to go into town once it's final sign-offs i remember when um well when pandemic when the pandemic hit i was fortunate enough to get a composer for my film um and a, a music publisher and they were doing the mix and it was all in italy and i had the plane booked i was going to go to the studio everything the pandemic hit and it was in the middle of italy and i was like oh my god and at the last minute i didn't go and i think the next day they closed the airports so it was like oh my god god i was gutted but we did the mix so they said look you know okay we'll do the mix remotely just like we are now where i could see in the studio we could play and they'd say you're happy with this so yeah it wasn't the same but realistically we still got you know got got the job done but i was i was gutted <laughs> yeah i think it takes away the jolly element doesn't it? For, yeah. for a lot of people they go away for the weekend and uh roll it all in now you suddenly uh, oh, I can do that for home. Yeah, but when you've been doing it as long as you have, I suppose you thought, oh no, actually I'd rather sit here, have a cup of tea, uh, make sure the dogs don't rip everything up. <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite life-changing really, getting 
two hours plus a day extra yeah not commuting is yeah he's a life-changing yeah did you have to commute into london Stuart? yeah well i'm in uh essex edge of essex so i mean it'd be at least an hour oh god I, i rode in motorbike it was fine during the summer but it's a little bit cold during the winter and uh yeah good old i kind of, kind of miss the riding but i don't miss the commuting it's just that yeah. two hours a day is actually where i found the time to write the punk's not dead movie because it was it was yeah from that I exactly early and i could and so it became really proactive for yeah i think a lot of people have spent that time wisely and just really pushed their projects forward yeah i do well I have when my wife hasn't given me a list of jobs first. I'll get up in the morning, right? Well, I've got this plan. Yeah, I've got this plan. <laughs> Do a bit of podcasting, a bit of editing, a bit of script writing. Uh, hold on. <laughs> this needs painting on. <laughs> and also, a motorbiker. I'm a, I've got back into biking last year. Um, and it's not, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate that I don't need to commute. I can have it as sort of a toy in the summer. And I suppose mm-hmm. for you, you appreciate it a lot more then when you get a nice day. Oh, we'll go for a nice ride. But when you're commuting all the time, I suppose it takes the joy out of it, doesn't it? Oh, I'd always rather ride than get on the train. That was even pre-pandemic. It was, yeah. uh, I mean, it was, yeah, it was literally, that was why I started riding in the first place. You get on the train in the morning, there's people that... Oh, yeah. What about in the winter, though? Uh, was, yeah, most of the time's fine. There's probably a few weeks, two, three weeks, where it's icy and possibly you know, snow, where I'll jump on the train then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's but it's, it's like you say, when uh, the times that I've nipped down London, I'm in the Midlands, so now and again I'll nip down to London if it's a film or anything like that. Um, and I do like it. You get a good buzz and a good energy, but I always say it's nice to come home. I couldn't, I couldn't live down there. It's, it's full on yeah. in it. I kind of, uh, it's, it's been really nice because I moved six months before the pandemic kicked in. We're a little bit further out, and there's mm. fields and farms. Which oh, are, nice. That yeah. was perfect. Once it was, you know, when, when you couldn't go out anywhere, or you could only go out for a walk. So it was suddenly. It was, found all this local beauty in the area which i didn't actually know was there oh nice nice okay now so moving forward then we're here to talk about punts not dead but did you did you wrote anything before that yes uh so tell us a little bit about the first the first thing you wrote and what 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 led you to do that well it came, it came from a dry spell with i was playing in a band for the previous 10 years and we'd done what four four studio albums and i got to a point where i'd said everything i wanted to say lyrically i was like dried up did you used to write those lyrics then to it the the band's lyrics right okay so it came from that so you've always enjoyed writing then i've never really written creatively i've done a bit of journalistic stuff throughout the years i wrote fanzines wrote for other uh uh fanzines websites but i'd never really written creatively so once once i kind of dried up and thought well, hang on there must be other ways of saying what i wanted to say and it was just literally a quiet moment from work i saw a screenwriting course on a similar to what you were talking about earlier where someone set one up watched that i went amazing i really it really inspired me to come up with an idea it was a so i wrote i wrote 
horror. Uh, the first one was a horror film, not not particularly great. It was a bit of very. You know, it used to be a learning curve. Your first, your first thing. Was it a short or was it a feature? No, it's feature length. All oh, right, good, good. Uh, yeah. And also, I think. I remember standing in a rehearsal room at one point and the, the band were all in various stages of recovery and one who was lying about his uh, usage whatsoever. And I thought the dynamics in the room were amazing. It was all like 40 year old blokes. It was all, <laughs> I went, there's got to be, yeah, there's got to be a TV series in this. Just a bit, the, the stories. Yeah. And it was, and that was, that was what, I, that was really what inspired me to write as well. I wanted to do so. I mean, I've done the pilot and the, uh, pitch bible for that a series called chaos which still needs a little bit work a little bit more work on the characters uh, but the story's there now and so tell us a little bit about the band then to what obviously this this what what were you the singer did you play did you play a, an uh, instrument yeah i play singer and guitar i mean it started in idea back in the 80s we never really got past rehearsal rooms then and all sort of went our separate ways in the uh, <laughs> Uh, once I began working in sound, I was, well, I might as well use these lunch times a little bit creatively. And I sort of, I sort of went back and recorded the first album. Uh, yeah. and then mysteriously, another coincidence, the guitarist turned up again after 20 odd years or whatever. So, yeah. okay. so we went out, started, yeah, we've done, we done the, every toilet and dustbin in the UK and sort of Tuesday nights to three blokes and a dog and whatever, and yeah, done very self-produced albums and what was uh, the just, name yeah. of the band uh underclass uk quite noisy punk stuff but it's really uh it's very uh, great outlet really great outlet to get oh. into a room and oh, yeah it's, yeah it's, get rid of all the stress uh, what uh what happened with that do you still do it or do you miss it or is well, it it's on a hiatus at the moment the guitarist got problems with tinnitus uh mm. where he's in a lot of pain and we don't uh, as I said, I hit that point where I dried up and I didn't really want to go through uh, bringing someone else in and changing the dynamics of the band. So we've left it for now. Maybe may another album in it at some point. But. So you've heard a lot. So you, your experiences then and what you're writing about is basically when you toured, <laughs> toured around the UK. The, yeah, the TV series, is, is, there's a lot of, autobiographical stuff in there uh framed around other people so it's kind of yeah but you can't you, you can't use any names <laughs> <laughs> no of course your secret's safe from me what is it <laughs> yeah right yeah so <laughs> now that interests me you did tv the the I, I wrote shorts and and made short films and then the first thing i wrote before i wrote a feature was a, a pilot episode i just had this idea and i thought it's an hour before I throw myself into an hour and a half, uh, and it's mm -hmm. a good way to get it out there and get feedback. Tell, tell us a little bit about what your idea was with that. What, how I came into writing the series, or what the series is yeah, about? Yeah, why you thought, right, I'm going to write a TV series and not a feature at, at first. Uh, was it because you thought, I can't fit all that into? I think it would be, yeah, there would be too, there's like, there was too much for... 90 minutes and I don't, you know, as, a, as a first I thought I might find it easier mm. to find people to work with on a TV series there was a lot of, there was a lot more openness and looking for it rather than uh, a film which would would 
be two hours plus or whatever with a lot of uh, a lot of extras in there. So it it, it lend the idea lends itself to a series rather than a film because there's ongoing parts to it as well for series two or three or whatever. The the, the ideas are all there and full. Yeah, I know I know exactly what you mean. Um, because your pilot is almost just the intro, isn't it? Um, and yes. then you flesh out the characters. You get, and, it, and it gives me an appreciation. I read quite a lot of scripts and I read quite a lot of the Breaking Bad episodes. And it gives you appreciation mm-hmm. of the skill of keeping it fresh episode after episode, yeah. doesn't it? It's yeah, so difficult. I mean, you'll watch, um, you'll watch TV series now. There's always one episode that just... But when you watch something classic like... Breaking Bad or Sopranos or one of the old, you know, absolute classics. You think how the writers did that episode after for so many. It's pretty special talent, isn't it? Yeah. So then, um, and also talking about uh, your friend's guitar tinnitus, there's a new film out. It was uh, raved about for the Oscars. I don't know if you've heard of it. Sound of Metal? Yes, saw that last week. Fantastic. Yeah, great. Amazing film. sound design as well. Sound really. design, yes. Yeah. What a what a what a film and what a performance by uh, Riz Riz Hamid. But the yeah, sound is on really. for people that don't know the sound is on and that he's actually suffering and losing his hearing. So it actually puts you in his his space and you can hear what he's hearing sometimes. It's like pretty impressive oh, isn't actually, it the, the subtitles are on from the beginning i actually thought someone had been in and switched the subtitles i'm trying to turn it off <laughs> it's only like five minutes like, oh. yeah <laughs> Part of the film. yeah great great film anyway so so then so you've done your tv series um then did that lead you then to uh punk's not dead or did you do a feature before that uh i went on a course with uh london scream Writers Festival. Oh yeah, uh, love love London Screen on campus. It was like a seven day self immersive thing, which I thought was all about writing, but it was uh, more about uh, self progression, really. And it was uh, so you, you know, we ended up there. It was pitching pitching ideas with tarantulas in your hand and walking on fire. Yeah, and all kinds we of Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and it was within that the the elements which was around writing you come up with a, a a film idea a tv series idea and a passion project so uh i'd done those three things and then was sitting there over the christmas of 2019 they had a little bit of time off and i was just well, well, you know what i'm just gonna read something or watch something and uh in my facebook feed came a book punk's not dead by a writer who called Mo Rat, who had worked for Kerrang and Metal Hammer, all the bigger music, metal music magazines, going way back to the 90s. It's like, okay, let's have a read of this. It's one of those books which you couldn't put down. I couldn't put it, you know, I read it all yeah. in a day and a half or something, and it was like, wow, that would make an amazing film. It was partially because it was a scene which I recognised. I recognised a couple of the characters in the book. Uh, I've been to most of the venues. I kind of oh, lived a similar. Wow. I sort of went through a similar life life change about two or three years behind. Yeah. Was there. So yeah, this would make an amazing film. Uh, I just dropped him a line on social media and said, "Look, I'm, I'm a new screenwriter. I really like the idea of this." And we began talking. Uh, he 
said no one would, would pick a book up yet. So we organised an option on that and sorted the paperwork out. And literally I began writing it as the pandemic kicked in. Uh, up at 5am every day, sort of do four hours writing before starting my day job. And within a month we had uh, first draft there. Wow, what a story. Uh, so just to give people a bit of an idea, so you read a book, how did you go about getting an option, um, Stuart? Uh, I just contacted him, contacted the author via social media. I mean, it dep- it, I suppose it depends on what the what the book is, the the, the, f- the fame level of the author, mm. whether it's whether they're contactable or whether they've got agents. Or uh, I contacted direct, said that I was interested in uh, writing the screenplay. And we took it from there. We had a mutual uh, friend who dealt with the paperwork, so we didn't have to spend you know, silly amounts on lawyers. And because yeah. we both from the same area, there was a, there's an element of trust there. It was, it was yeah, which, it could be naive in some cases, but it's uh, yeah. No, that's a great that's a great story because people people do ask a, a, about option in books, and there's. Um, some people say you should, people who struggle for ideas, look for books. There's millions and millions of books out there. It's no good going for Harry Potter, <laughs> <laughs> like you say. But there's some cracking little ones that if you pick up and read, they're amazing. And getting options is easier than people think. I think sometimes people think, oh, you're never going to get an option. Well, one you've got, so you, what you used to have to do is contact the publisher and then through an agent and blah, blah, blah. Now with the beauty of social media, like you say, and the fact that you had some kind of connection um, is a, is a, is a great a great little. But it story. depends on the pub. If it's self-published as well, well, that's another thing in your mm. favour. So there's no publishers to deal with. It's yeah. um, no publishers, no agents. <laughs> Perfect world. <laughs> oh, don't get me ranting about agents. But anyway, so so that's a great story in itself, and you've got that connection there. And when people say about stories as well, whether it's screenplays or, or a, a true life account from a book, you've got that connection mm-hmm. straight away, which I think is important. People always say, well, you know, what should you write? You should write something you know and you've got some kind of connection or some kind of passion. So I think that's brilliant. And the other thing I picked up on is obviously London Screenwriters Festival. I've been, I haven't been for a few years now, but I used to go for the weekend. Um, mm-hmm. And it's such a wealth. Obviously, they haven't been able to do it because of the pandemic. But if you ever get a chance, have you ever been to the weekends that they have there? At, with with at speak. the actual festival? Yeah. No, so it was, I was planning to go on yeah. was it April last year when yeah. it was... If you get a chance, it is so, I learned so much. I think I went yeah. three or four times. But I still, well, I still got the ticket. It's, in, it's due for September. Yeah, now. No, yeah. But the, 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 the knowledge you can pick up there, mm-hmm. you can walk it. You know, you'll have the talkers. We had people like um, Carl Gottlieb who, did, uh, who wrote Jaws. You'll have people like that there. And then uh, when the day's finished, he'll be having a drink at the bar. You can just walk over to him and ask him questions and, and pull a what you know, knowledge from Oscar winners. It is phenomenal. Yeah. And I can't yeah. rate it high enough. Chris Jones has a brilliant job with it. There was, a, there was the whole pitching thing as well. I mean, that was what I was looking. Yeah. Looking yeah, I did. I did that. I, yeah. The five minute pitch. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I've done that. Uh, 
but it is it is a great experience and you will not get an experience like it over three days that just will, will help you um so anyway so you've optioned it so now you've got to write it now this is obviously this is your first feature and you're writing a true life account from a book so mm-hmm. tell me the process of that did you look into it and try and self teach yourself or did you just think sod it i'm going to start reading the book and make notes that way the way the book was written i thought it deserved a true adaptation yeah so rather than pulling bits out twisting it inside out or at least it, if if we can adapt this the way it is and tell this the way it is uh it i think that's the best way to approach it Obviously, the problem with that is there's some large scenes, but you're going to have budgetary confinement somewhere along the line. Yeah. But we didn't have a budget in the beginning. So rather than saying, oh, well, let's keep it as small as possible, it's just like, well, we haven't got a budget, so we'll keep it there. We can cut yeah. what's needed. Yeah. Yeah. So for the first first drafts, yeah, it's a true, true, as true adaptation as we can. Did you do a treatment or did you just get straight into it, into the screen? Uh, Used a beat board rather than yeah. took took the major scenes from the book, worked out the order. It was just, it had to try, slightly change the order of a few things to make it flow more. Keep a uh, just so this sort of character artwork slightly slightly better. Yeah, that's interesting because a lot of people will say everybody's different some people say they write a a 20 page treatment i can't do that because i feel like i'm wasting my time writing a treatment when i could be doing the screenplay i like your option which is a beat board where you put in notes of a scene or a character um, and just splatting you and your ideas around where it's whatever works right for you isn't it really it's got, yeah, I think from the adaptation, I think the book the book was more like the treatment itself. You kind of revert to that and uh, take what you needed. So it was yeah, just worked out the the major beats of the film, uh, pulled that down, worked out the scenes, and yeah, went from there. And like you say, because you've got freedom, it's not like you've got an executive saying we've got to hit this budget. You know, you haven't got to cut characters. You haven't got to cut scenes yet. <laughs> so I suppose yeah, that was yeah. that. That was. I mean, cool. but the, the first draft had a ridiculous amount of talking characters. Mm. So it was, you know, straight back in. Right, okay, that's gone. That's gone. That's gone. But the, the very first draft, yeah, of course, it was uh, as true to the book as we could get. And, and how uh, how many revisions you done so far? Uh, some three, three point three. I think I'm on at the moment, and it's quite. A, it's, I'm just working with someone there, who with uh, another musician knows the world well, and going to try and. He's he's a lot more experienced, uh, yeah. so he's, he's given me a uh, few more ideas to think about from a uh, sort of themic perspective. Okay, so we'll be trying so- to implement. I mean, I don't even know if we named the book. What was the what was the name of the book, and who was it by? You? The book is Punk. It's not dead, obviously. So it's, it's exactly the same as it's because like, sometimes they change uh, it. Yeah, and it's by a writer called Morat. Um, so he actually wrote the book. He wrote the book, which is based on his life story. This is uh, Cameron Moat, isn't it? 
what yes yes um, yeah, yeah yeah cool and uh, what i like one of the things that caught my eye which is great on your pitch is uh well first of all england 1981 big up 81 you know i think <laughs> the music in in in, in the 80s was brilliant uh and I like the way it says, think this is England meets the football factory via quadrophilia. <laughs> Tell us a yeah, little bit. Of... not to be too uh, pretentious, it? but that was the ne- that's the nearest. That, that's important. What you put... of what, it, what it's actually about. And why is that important uh, for pitching? Why, why is that important for pitching, Stuart? Uh to try and let the producer know what genre you're working in for starters. It's uh, if it's a romantic comedy, you don't want to be pitching to producers who work on gangster films or whatever. Yeah. So try and try and target where you where you need to be placed realistically in the market. I mean, obviously there's always wild cards who might go, yeah, I'd love to get involved in that, but you you need to target. Yeah. And have you did, have you pitched anyone yet? Uh, well. We had a verbal offer from a small indie of a two-year option to develop it in October. It never made it to the paperwork, and then when the second lockdown kicked in, it all fell apart. Uh, Almost got it across the line and then collapsed again. That's that's where I went around the second second round of contacts, and that's where we came back in touch again. Uh, I was just following up people who had taken the script the first time. So tell us uh, a little... Go on. Yeah, so there's, there's, there's a lot of interest. I think the main thing, which is no surprise, is uh, the, the general consensus is it's going to be tough work finding investors who want to invest in pump. Hmm. But the timing at the moment is superb because you've got Danny Boyle's pistol series, which is well, yeah, over yeah. halfway through shooting i believe and also there's a serializations of the ramones yeah yeah production as well so time wise it's kind of it's yeah a good fit for anyone. that's it when you when you pitch things sometimes it's just the right time at the right place it's nothing to do with what the pitch is or what what the work yeah. is and like you say there's there's some projects which are coming through um and so that's de- that's definitely going to help you now um as far as you s- so tell us a little bit about so you've got you've got this screenplay um and you've got what you're trying to do is basically you want to get it made and to get it made we have to look for investment which is the biggest ball ache um tell us a little bit about what what did you do just think right i'm just going to send out the script to various people and things like that because obviously you sent it to me as well uh was it through social media just to give people a bit of an idea of what you know what they can do I went through and made a list of comparables. Pretty much every film I could think of, which had, which was around those three comparable films. Which said anything which was sort of music based, eighties based. If it had a punk connection, there was you know like SLC punk or yeah, yeah. movies like that. Anything that had a connection to what Punk's Not Dead was about, and looked up the producers of those on IMDb Pro. Yeah, uh, got the contact details. If those were still working, if those people were still working, then we worked out a query letter just saying, "Look, this, my name's Stuart. I'm, this is my latest film. Uh, 
it's in an area which you've worked before, would you be interested in reading the scripts or can I send you the scripts? Uh, I mean, you're risking the uh, no. A rejection. What's one of them? Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, rejection also. Unsolicited material. Never, you know, had, never had that. one of them, Stuart. <laughs> See, I'm fucking hell, I've got busted. Anyway, so I sent all those out and they had a reasonable reply. I mean, there's there 20 or 30 people replied, so yes, you'd love to read the script. Out of that, two or three replied and wanted for, wanted to take it slightly further. Uh, so we got the verbal option offer. And it's kind of as far as we got. There's a few other things going on now, which I'm not going to say too much because obviously not, until it's actually happened, yeah. it's, a, it's just pie in the sky. But there's a few things going on which hopefully uh, will develop or lead us into the next stage where we can uh, find the right people to come on board and help us actually materialise that. But it was, yeah, it was just finding the addresses, email addresses or contact addresses of the producers who have got something in common with your project mm. from reaching out and contacting them. Yeah. Some, some replied, some didn't. Mm. Um, some talk, I mean, people say about luck in this business and yes, I believe that, but it's also, you make your own look. So it's the hard work and it's the amount of rejections you get. It's the amount of people you send the project out to, and it's just waiting for that, that one to connect. Um, and the key is just to just to keep at it. But a brilliant thing you said there, which which I believe believe in, is I'm DB Pro, which is fantastic for contact details. If you want to contact people um, in the film business to ask them questions or, or pitch, sometimes it's very difficult because they get a lot a lot of pitches. Um, but that is one way. And sometimes it's not just pitching them; it's just asking them a question and asking them for a bit of help. Um, you do find if you ask the right way that people are, are pretty good. Um, so yeah, that that's that's a good point. Now, as far as your writing's concerned, what? Mm -hmm. So you've taught yourself, you've you've had some steering in the right direction. Um, what do you think's the biggest thing that you've learned about your writing? Is it? Are you still fine tuning it? Are you happy with it, or is it just Ugh, constant? You can't please, all the people, all of the time, basically. <laughs> <laughs> You can get two. You can get two people read the same thing and give you completely conflicting info, com, you know, completely conflicting feedback. Uh, if you if you consistently get the same feedback, then I think you yeah. need to work on those areas. So it's it's. I never. I personally am story driven. Mm. I like the, the story to me. It's the and then if I say if. But everyone's so yeah. I don't know. You see, split whether character or story. I'm I'm definitely story driven. It's it's so yeah. I've got need to address the characterization issue. Bring in more of that into it so that you you do give a shit about what's happening on their journey. But it's to me, I need I, I need to see something that I can believe, and I need to believe in the characters as well. I need to find them at least believable. I don't have to you don't have to like them. So. yeah yeah sometimes one works out the other because everybody's different sometimes you'll write the story and the characters start to develop and sometimes you'll develop the characters yeah. and then the story you know so i don't think there's one there's one right or wrong way um what i would say is is now tell us a little bit about um 
getting feedback because uh, a very valuable thing that I've used is, is readers um, because they basically pull it apart uh, and, and it's finding the right reader as well. People have asked me this before and, and you've, I, I've found a reader that's right for me. Everybody wants, you, you might've wanted it structured differently. I like it just being pulled apart, thrown at me and picking out what I can. Tell us a little bit about that process. Has it, has it been through any readers or any, anything like that, Stuart? Well, yeah, several people are used. Uh, some are more TV based. Uh, and yeah, I guess it's, but it's, yeah, it's like pulling it apart, giving you back, you get completely different information, which, so, you know, some, sometimes people pick up on the same thing. Yeah. And then you know you've got an issue. Other, other times it might just be their preference. And I say, oh, oh, I'm not sure I believe that part of it. And it's, it's, we all watch films and go, nah, that never happens. But, uh, and also, I look for some of the, cheaper competitions to enter to get the feedback so you're not paying through the nose but you're getting half yeah. decent as a as a one-off you know just throw the ball and see if that comes back to match what i'm getting from personal contacts as well yeah uh, scripts been out via the query letter so and also this so there's feedback from industry people there which generally has matched yeah um, that's what, good that's good that you're getting that that kind of feedback because that's definitely what what you need. I mean, you do, you know, some people will ask me to have a look at certain scripts, and, and the first thing I'll say is, have you had feedback? Not from your not from your mum or your wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You I do it to my wife on purpose sometimes. I say, read that. I know she don't want to. <laughs> <Yeah>. oh. <laughs> but uh, but no, that that's that's really important what you said. So in a nutshell, punk, Punk's Not Dead, set in 1981, it's what, what this guy Murat went, went through getting onto the scene. What years does it, does it play out all the way through his life? No, it's two weeks. Two weeks two in weeks. 1981 over the royal wedding, over the royal, was it Prince Charles and Diana's wedding weekend? Yeah. And he left home going on a holiday stroke sabbatical, <laughs> trying to escape what was going on indoors, found himself in the tribal madness that was the early 80s. It was uh, you know, a completely crazy time. and So he went from quite an innocent, not, not runaway, but a sort of innocent uh, naiveness of, you know, want, oh, I want to go and be involved in that, to find himself in some pretty horrific situations of, Desperate people uh, who are, you know, living on the streets, and and there's the music surrounds that. I mean, it's it's not it's, it's not really a happy ending. It's not dire, but it's not a happy ending <laughs> film as such. Yeah, <laughs> and that leads on that leads on to yeah you know, to where where we went after that. And what do you think? Is, so have you looked? Because you say on your um your pitching document, which I can put a link to in the, in the podcast notes, uh, it, it, it compares it to other things, sort of, this is England, things like that. Because uh, this is England is a, is, a, is a good fit. But obviously, it's a shame, sort of, maybe you've missed the boat with that a little bit by a few years. 
but have you looked, have you contacted people to do with that or anything to do with that? Uh, yeah, we tried, I tried all the, tried all the films that were linked, the comparables were linked, but there was no, I mean, as I say, whether it's a not interested, bad timing or no unsolicited. It's so difficult. It's yeah, so it's, difficult. I was just thinking, you shame, don't know man. Whether people have got anything or like, you don't know whether they've reached, you know, how many times you get an email and you go, oh, look at that. And then it just goes down the list and you end up deleting it because it's yeah. not because you're not interested, it's because you haven't got time. Yeah. Yeah. You need, you need a shame meadows, don't you? That's what you need. <laughs> Ideally, yes. It's <laughs> what you need and what you get. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the future look like then, Stuart? What you you're just gonna keep plugging away at it or are you thinking of doing a new feature or is this this you're gonna focus on this now for a while? Well, I've got this is the main priority, but I've a list of the list as long as my arms of other uh yeah. dog lines and whatever which I wanna start developing and moving right into, sort of finding me. Uh, finding time, not enough hours in the day, even with lockdown. I know. <sighs> Tell me about it. And have you thought about any projects that you are going to write to a budget? Because that's what I'm, especially since, since pandemic as well, what I write now is what I know I can I can almost try and film. I think that's the, ne- the next step for me is to write something which I could possibly produce myself on a very low budget. Uh, low amount of characters, low scenes, yeah. but high story content. Yeah. And that's, that's these log lines that I'm looking at now and kind of developing through what, what yeah. taking the best parts of those and trying to. That, yeah, that's good advice. That's, I mean, ultimately, when I'd been plugging away, I had a project that was very close to getting off the ground and it didn't. And then I just said, fuck it, I'm going to write something that I can make. <laughs> and I don't need yeah, permission. And, and yeah, in yeah. a way, you know, whether that turns me, it turns it into getting funding for another feature or whether it don't, I feel, I feel like I've got the monkey off my back. So to, you know what I mean? Because yeah. it is difficult when you're slugging away and you're getting rejections, you're just trying to get that thing funded. It's just... I will say it's not soul destroying because you enjoy it, but it's you've got to you've got to have a certain resilience, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, so yeah, the constant rejections are a bit frustrating, but it's you know it's, it's not it's not personal in most cases. It's not because you don't know that person; they don't know you. Postman. So yeah, also some of the contacts I've made through reaching yeah. out for punks not dead also there's this there's, there's people with kit they've got their own kit they're looking to invest kit into time so uh into situations which you know drastically cuts the what budget you need yeah definitely yeah. so there's 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 things opening up all over the place so he, he, where, you know whatever happens with the uh with one thing sort of moving to another yeah. yeah i suppose the difficulty as well with it is is because it's a period piece um you know yes. it's it's yeah. just yeah. finding that investment to cover that um because it is, and especially if you're going to do it you want to make sure you get it right i suppose especially with a punk because with a punk era if you didn't you'd soon know about it <laughs> yeah yeah <it's> a, <laughs> i wrote a, a feature and i love to set it in 1975 but I just don't. But I just set it uh, modern day because I've seen there's no point. <laughs> but yeah, maybe maybe one day, maybe one day. Well, look, um, I always ask my 
uh, guess for a bit of advice and if you were to give advice to uh, someone just starting out about to get into writing or maybe music or maybe the best bit of advice you've been given, Stuart, what, what, what could you say? Uh, do it for yourself. Do it for the right reasons. Uh, you know, why, why do you want to do it? Is it you, do you, do you doing it because you want to make films or you want to make music or do you think it's going to make your life better? Because it's, it's not... It's going to make it more frustrating. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, just, it's, if you're doing it for the right reasons, it, you'll get satisfaction out of what you do, whether you release it to your family or whether you release it to a million people. It's, it's regardless. It's, uh, it's if you're happy with your creative output, then just yeah. go for it. And, you know, if you're good at something, that normally shines through and people become involved and want to work with you on stuff. Yeah, true, true. And I think, like I say, you've got to do it. You've got to enjoy it because if you don't, there's no way you'll stick at it. Because <laughs> what other thing would you do for free so people can say no to? <laughs> say no, good. You know, and, and we get, you know, you know, when you get to the end of it, you're going to get a certain, a certain percentage of people who go, it's shit. Mm. It's, mm. it's, it's, you've got to really, yeah, you have got to be quite resilient with things as well and not not be too precious or take yeah take it take it personally no that's yeah. good 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 advice to it and i always ask my guests for a favorite so it can be music film tv whatever whatever you want but have you got a favorite that you could recommend or a book whatever you you think punk's not dead's a great book so <laughs> uh i don't know i'd struggle to fit a top 10 into anything more Movies, I don't know. Deer Hunters is one. Yeah, I always classic. go back to. I can never watch that too many times. Yes. Uh, really, that never quite got over the trauma of the Russian roulette scene at the end. God, so. I know what a brilliant film. Oh, is it? Did you read any book? You know, as you were picking up screenwriter, did you read a read on any read any books or anything like that, Stuart? Uh, I've dipped in and out of stuff. The one, yeah, I've dipped in and out stuff. The one, the one book which really did make sense, and I would recommend, uh, Robert McKee. I can't remember his surname, but it's, it's it doesn't work like that. It's called Robert Robert McKee. Was it? Might McKay. yeah, it might be. It's, Robert it's McKee. Yeah. It doesn't work like that, and it, it's a really down to work. It's, it doesn't go into the how many acts or you know, heroes' journeys or anything. It goes about. If you do this, it will go wrong. If you do, if you do that, it will go wrong. And it's like kind of re- it's just a common sense view of being a writer. Yeah, yeah. And it really, it really hit home. That was kind of wow. That's 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 fantastic. That's a, that's a good book. That is the the what's happening now in screenwriting terms is years ago you had to have a set way. So I remember when Robert McKee made a, a, did a book called Story and it's like the Bible, the screenplay story. But now you watch some films, you think, well, hold on, the character hasn't done this and he hasn't. So it's all being moved around. So it's quite interesting yeah. when you, but I think the main thing is you take what you need from these books, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. To, to use it for, for what you want because I think yeah I think producers are looking for something that they know is going to work but they like invention as well so they like something with a bit a bit different 
So they want, you know, the new, I don't know, Titanic, but they'll want a twist on it. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. It gives it's them that old saying as well. Once once you know the rules, you can break the rules. So it's kind of once you know that, oh, okay, I'm, I know that I'm breaking that rule now, but I'm doing it because you can justify why you've done things rather than doing it for error, mm. which sometimes works, but... Yeah. And, it, and this is a question for you as well. Where do you see the state of cinema going, Stuart, after this year? I think online releases have just proved so successful for a lot of people. I'm not sure. I think it'd be a tough ride getting cinematic releases back, for certainly for smaller films, which seems quite a shame, really. It's a, uh, you can never tell. Until things start opening up again, I think. I think uh, for myself as a filmmaker, I think it gives me a lot of options because there's a lot more platforms to release films on, which is great. Yeah, yeah, but, as a, yeah, yeah. As a uh, you know, great. which is great because when you're making a, a, a micro budget film or something like that, to say you're going to have a run in the cinema is just not going to happen. Um, yeah. But these these online you know, VOD, video on demand, give you a chance of people, a lot of people watching it. Um, but then I think cinema maybe will turn into more of an event. So your big films, your Christopher Nolan films. So I think people, if they're going to go to the cinema and spend cash, they want to see more of an event film like your James Bond and things like that. Yeah, yeah. But it'll be interesting. I think there's also, it runs, you run the risk of, and it happened with music where the ability to create your own records and release that from without any, without the need of a label is fantastic and it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. But you end up with such a mess of releases sorting through that to find something that's actually great. Yeah. Becomes yeah. An issue. You kind of yeah. get that with music, like the three second rule. Like, and you get. Yeah. You're only giving someone three seconds of your attention before you skip to the next song, which is a horrible yeah. thing to do, but you have to. So, get through it yeah that's that's a, that's a fair point that's a fair point well look it's it's been great having you on what i'll do is i'll put links to the pitch document and everything if people want to connect with you where can they find you on social media Stuart? uh via website Stuart newman 101.com uh there's links to most social media there and an email address uh Feel free to drop us a line. I'm always up for collaboration on things, written or audio. Cool. Well, look, um, yeah, I'll put all the links in. Make sure you stay in touch. Keep updating me as well, you know, because if you get a significant go-through, and then come back on and tell us, you know, because it's interesting, the journey that you're putting everything yeah, so into it. Of the, yeah. And it's not, it's not easy. I totally feel your pain, mate. <laughs> <laughs> But enjoy the ride. It, it is, yeah. It's been an enjoyable ride, and it's a good learning curve as well. So it's all, yeah, it's all one day excitement, the next day. Oh, yeah, so. it's difficult. But you've got the passion. You've got the stories. You've been through a lot of it, um, and I think that's the key. If you've you've got that essence, you're all, you're halfway home. It's just just everything so difficult at the minute, you know. Um, but just just stick at it and definitely screenwriting festival once that's back on i'm hoping to go again um because yeah september hopefully that's on so definitely well i've already got a ticket for that yeah no that would be brilliant yeah and if i can make it we'll meet up definitely 
Yeah. Look, okay, well, look after yourself, Stuart, and I'll speak to you soon. Take care, mate. Cheers. Thanks, Lee. So that's it. Massive thanks again to Stuart for joining me today and also to you for listening. Make sure you follow the podcast because over the next coming months, there are going to be some even bigger and better interviews and more extraordinary interviews. Uh, so just keep listening in. Now, the podcast streaming all the usual platforms, iTunes, Spotify, just put uh, more, I think, a podcast and we come up everywhere. Remember, rate and subscribe. And every week, put the conversation up on all the usual platforms so you can listen to it. Um, you can watch it. I'll try and put it as far and wide as possible. Remember, we're on Facebook, which is more way thinking podcast, and Instagram is more what podcast. And if you want to get in touch, or you think you'll be a great guest, or you know someone who'd be a great guest, then email me. It's more what podcast at aol.com. Okay, got a very special show coming up for you shortly. So make sure you keep listening in. Until next time, God bless. Take care. Bye.